welcome to the third installment of Noah's Archive, a podcast devoted entirely to pro wrestling Noah. I am Hisseme and thank you for listening. You can find me on Twitter at HI5AME. In this episode, I am going to talk about navigation for the future 2018. Although February 2nd at Korokun was considered the finale of the tour, I am going to discuss both the 27th of January event in Osaka and the last night of the tour on the 2nd. This is because Osaka was very much about the junior heavyweights and the 2nd was about the heavyweights. A lot happened on both nights I want to talk about and at times they will entwine with each other. So that started with Osaka. At the end of the recap there will be a new section. It may be a little out of date by the time you read this, well by the time you listen to this even because you're not reading it. So apologies. Before I start talking about the 27th of January and the 2nd of February events, I want to touch lightly on what happened earlier in the tour. There were a lot of Misawa tributes from Kaito Kiyomiya doing the Tiger Suplex for the first time, which led to a huge outpouring of emotion from the fans who remembered Misawa, and Jay Bradley's humble tributes to Misawa and Noah's legacy, but I will, I will go into those in more detail later. Andrew Everett from Impact joined the tour, and the mainstay Cody Hall also stayed on. Cody is not contracted to Noah, he's a freelancer. Jay Radley, although he has worked in Japan before, this is his first time working with Noah. Andrew Everett challenged Taichi Ishimori on the 6th of January for the X Division Championship. It was a magnificent match, though I think some people found it a little too flowery. But personally, I didn't have any issues with it. There were comments, especially amongst Japanese fans, that Everett reminded them of Yohei. It wasn't so much his fighting style, more the long hair and the wide grin and the gestures that he made when coming to the ring. Taiji Ishimori commented that it was no wonder they called him Skywalker, which is actually nothing to do with Star Wars. Um, It's more to do with the fact that he spends most of his time in the air. So the junior heavyweight event took place in Osaka on the 27th of January. Retels got it a homecoming due to their associations with Osaka Pro, and of course Daisuke Hirada is from the city. In the opening match, Leona chalked up another win against Yunta Miyawaki by using the figure four leg lock. Leona, I have to say, has just blossomed recently, and he is a million miles away from what he had been this time last year. He has more confidence now, he seems a lot happier, and he's certainly shown aptitude for in-ring humour. As he is now 20, Untamiyawaki had Mr. Noah event on January 8th as he'd been attending the traditional coming-of-age ceremony in his hometown. But otherwise, the boy is yet to get his first victory. It is the way of the rookie, they are there to learn and to pay their dues, and he will get his first win in due course. I think Noah probably had a small gathering for him to celebrate this milestone when he returned to tour. In any case, I do know that old dojo friend Kiyomiya, um, he, he went out for a drink with him in celebration. So this match went 7 minutes and 5 seconds. Cody Hall tagged with Tadasuke and they didn't get along. Previously, when tagging with Leona, Leona had jumped in front of him, so Cody threw him out the ring, and Leona sulked at ringside before getting back in, and things continued in pretty much the same way. I think that Noah had originally planned for Cody to play heel and probably join in with the renegade tag team of Mitsuo Nagai and Maybach Taniguchi, but it seems now they have other plans for him, which I will get into later. Anyway, the match finished after 9 minutes, 14 seconds, with Cody chokeslamming Akitoshi Saito. 
Yoshinari Ogawa to face Kanjiro Matsuyama, who is famous for working Osaka Pro. The last time they had a match was in 2007, and with Matsuyama being the flamboyant comedy wrestler, uh, just as a bit of an FYI, um, he is considered along with Stalker Ishikawa and Kibutaru, one of the three great comedy wrestlers in, in Japan. Ogawa is not nearly as humorless as he sometimes looks. If anything, I think he's probably mellowed in recent years. But the match ended up in with both of them lying face-to-face on the mat, with Matsuyama on top of Ogawa. Naturally, Takashi Sugiura got hold of the picture, posted it on Twitter, and captioned it, Hey, hey! For those who are wondering about his appearance, Matsuyama's gimmick is based on Kabuki, not not the great Kabuki, but the traditional theatre of Japan, his face paint is symbolic of the role of the villain with the black eyes and the antler-style eyebrows, but Agara won um, with a horizontal cradle after 10 minutes 35 seconds. Kaito Kiyomiya took on Takashi Sugiura in a singles match. Kiyomiya had said that he was going to show Sugiura that he was no longer a child and he wasn't going to be treated by one by anyone. Sugiura beat him in 12 minutes 50 seconds flat with the Olympic slam and then afterwards said that although it was better to be by his side, he thought that Kiyomiya would probably grow up fighting him. And then he made a semi-cryptic comment about Kino. Previously, Sugiura had expressed a desire to challenge for the GHC again. When asked about this today, he said no. He hadn't changed his mind about it. The interviewer was surprised to hear this because the champion is his tag partner. Sugiura simply said, yes, it will be interesting. And left, but we will we'll pick up that story later. Kinu did not defend the title in Osaka, but he was in a four-way match with Masaki Tamiya, Katsuhiko Nakajima and Go Shiyosaki. Kitamiya caught Kino unaware and pinned him with a Saito suplex. Kino naturally was enraged. Afterwards, Kitamiya cut a promo, scoffing at Kino and saying it served him right that he got pinned. And this, of course, spread speculation that uh, Kitamiya would challenge for the GHC Championship. XX, Taiji Shimori in High 69, faced off against the road enemies Yohei and Heiata. Yohei and Hayata had taken the junior tag belts from them in August 2017 and High69 in particular had vowed that they would get them back. Taiji Ishimori has had one hell of a grueling tour. He flew to Impact, which meant that he missed a date with Noah, and then he did seven days in a row wrestling for the tapings. He lost the X Division Championship during that time, and then he flew back to Japan, probably vowing that he never wanted to eat another chicken from catering again, although I understand that he did make use of the theme park next door. So he came back to Noah for the event on the 19th, and it was the day after he'd landed in Tokyo, which meant that later he had go all the way to Osaka. Katsuhiko Nakajima said that it sounded like a nightmare, but from looking at Ishimori at the ta- at the DHC, the junior tag signing, you wouldn't think he did anything more than he left his hotel room that afternoon to come to the arena, although he, he must have been jet-lagged. Yohei said prior to the match that after he and Hayata had got rid of Double X, not Triple X, that's a film, their next opponents would be the tag team of Lionel Richie and Stevie Wonder which would be held in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand. And then, after they defeated them, their next opponents would be two beautiful mermaid sisters, and this match would take place in the sea. Sadly for Yohei, XX became the 32nd champions in 20 minutes 46 seconds, when High 69 pinned him with a stuka splash. And as I don't want to know any more about Yohei's fantasies, let's move on from there. 
After the match, uh, two old vets appeared and made their challenge. Yoshinari Ogawa and Minoru Tanaka had apparently teamed up together and challenged them for the belts. Both had hinted that they wanted a championship. Ogawa had previously stolen the junior tag belts during winter navigation, leading fans to speculate that he was going to be Mitsuya Nagai's tag partner, as Nagai, as you know, had hinted that it would be somebody from Noah. Minoru Tanaka had said that he wanted the junior heavyweight belt. They said in a backstage interview that the reason for their teaming together was simply because they wanted a belt, and because it seemed like a good idea to team up and get one. The main event was Daisuke Harada versus Hashime Ohara for the GHC Junior Heavyweight Championship. Hashime Ohara, when he challenged, only said to the promotion that he wanted the challenge, and he hadn't done it in the traditional way by coming to the ring and asking the champion for it. Daisuke Harada, of course, didn't like this, so during a match, Ohara beat him up, took the microphone, and did it then. And Harada liked it even less. <laughs> Hashime Ohara is from Kawasaki, and his reasons for wanting to be champion was to bring the people from Kawasaki to the Budokan. He did also mention that Noah may be doing something in the future um, at a festival there. To quote Ohara, You see, the population of Nakahara Ward is 250,000 people. The population of Kawasaki is 1.5 million people. It is not realistic, of course, that everybody can come, but even if 1% attend, we can fill up Korokuan. Even if 1% of Kawasaki comes to the Budokan, it will be super crowded. This was always going to be a very psychological and a very technical match. Both had been practicing their finishes, both had been modifying them and other moves in an effort to catch the other off guard. And in the case of Ohara, it always seemed to be Tadasuke who, who it got practiced on when he couldn't get hold of Harada. In the end, Daisuke Harada won in 27 minutes and 40 seconds with the German suplex. After the match, Hayata got into the ring. Hayata is a man of very little words, one if you're lucky, more if you are very lucky, but that night a ripple of laughter went round the Yidion Arena as Hayata simply pointed to the belt, indicating that he wanted a challenge for it. Then the far more vocal Hitoshi Kumano appeared, and he looked like he'd fallen over himself to get there before Hayata, and he also challenged Daisuke Harada for the championship. It was decided there and then that Hayata and Kumano would face off at Korokuan Hall on the 2nd of February, which led to another card shuffle. Daisuke Harada said that he owed it to Hayata to give him a title shot, as he'd given one to Tadasuke previously, and he also owed it to Hitoshi Kumano, because obviously he's Hashime Ohara's tag partner in the Batbreakers. But we will get to this situation and discuss it more um, when we're talking about Korokuan Hall later. So, to conclude the Osaka event, I am very happy to say that Noah sold out the Yidion Arena in Osaka with 625 people, which gave it a full house. Kurukun Hall was held on a snowy day on the 2nd of February. Although I hear that the trains were running well, the roads were a nightmare, and as anybody who lives in Tokyo will tell you, the city does not do well in the snow, especially in the heaviest snowfall for quite a few years. But people struggled through the conditions, and when they got there. The night opened with Yohei versus Yunta Miyawaki. Miyawaki is coming along well, but you can see the vast difference between the two, especially when Miyawaki climbed the top turnbuckle and then notably slipped. 
He managed to quickly regain his balance, but it was noticeable enough for the crowd to gasp at it. Yohei naturally won in four minutes with the stunner. Although he was working the opening match, Yunta Miyawaki has ringside duties, and after these were finished at the end of the event, um, he also had to sign autographs for a period of time afterwards. He then had to make a mad dash to the Battleman Studios. Unfortunately, he arrived a little late. As this was the first time he'd ever actually done anything like this, he was understandably nervous, which was probably exacerbated by the fact that he was tired. He did sound a little shy, because he said that there was no one there his age, no one there that he really knew, and he didn't really know didn't really know what to say. So next time he said he's going to prepare by studying conversation and studying kanji. But if you do catch the show, then please be gentle with the boy. Daisuke Hirada teamed with Tadasuke to take on Hashime Ohara and Masa Inoue. Inoue was at his comedy best, still the bumbling old vet. The referee was laughing, you could hear the commentator laughing. Tadasuke stood there in disbelief when Inoue did his dive from the second turnbuckle, which of course meant he landed splat on the canvas. But by far the funniest moment was when Inoue did his wind-up punch while waiting for his opponents to get up. His arm grew slower and slower as he got more and more tired, and both Tadasuke and Harada just rolled out of the ring. Hashime O'Hara was very good to his bumbling, middle-aged mole man tag partner by wiping down the turnbuckles for him to make sure that he didn't slip the next time. Tadasuke won by a small package hold on Maso in the way after 9 minutes, 30 seconds. The next match, um, which was between Goshi Osaki and Atsushi Kotoge versus Cody Hall and Jay Bradley, looked to be the beginning of two things. The first thing was a feud between Goshi Osaki and Jay Bradley, and they will be having a singles match in Kyoto on the opening night of Navigation 4 Dash 2018 on February 10th, and the tag team of Cody Hall and himself. As I mentioned earlier, Noah's plans seem to have been for Cody to ally himself with Nagai and Taniguchi, but the Gaijin tag team of the two very tall and powerful wrestlers has proved very popular with the fans, who have named them the Gaijin Twin Towers. Noah is a relatively young promotion, it was only founded in 2000, which means it's only 18 years old, but to be young doesn't mean there has been no time to build up history. And it was incredibly touching for Jay Bradley to have said that he was honoured to use the same equipment that had been used to train by Kobashi and Misawa, and that he was inspired by using it. And he was honoured to be at Korokuan Hall because of the history there. He also acknowledged Takeshi Morishima as a great champion in the pantheon of Misawa, Kobashi, Tawe and Takiyama. Morishima's presence is much missed, and it is revered by Noah's fans. I am very happy to say that Noah recognised Bradley's worth, both inside and outside the ring, and have kept him on for the next tour. Hopefully we will see more of him. Goshi Ozaki might be one of the biggest on the Japanese roster, um, maybe the biggest, but he has the power and the strength to go up against Bradley like no one else can, and the crowd were on fire for this match, especially when the Bradley Shiyosaki vicious, and I mean vicious, elbow punch war broke out and the suplex on Bradley by Shiozaki, which was something you don't often see heavyweights do on each other. Shiozaki was strong enough to do it and Bradley was agile enough to take it, which is a rarity in super heavyweights, or ultra-large as Noah have, have termed him. 
the match went 10 minutes, 25 seconds, and ended with Atsushi Kotoge getting the kill switch on Bradley. Noah reused the popular formula by having the championship pre-matches and XX teamed with Leona to take on Seiya Morohashi, Minoru Tanaka and Yoshinari Ogawa. Minoru Tanaka, and I have said this once and I will say it again and again and again, is almost in his 50s but he got the pin on high 69, a man almost half his age and who is in probably better condition then, with an incredible fireball splash. Earlier in the match, he'd put on Taiji Ishimori's mothball t-shirt. Although I doubt that uh, Tanaka is a mothball fan, he didn't look like your dad wearing it trying to be hip. After the match, Ogawa and Tanaka stood over the fallen champions holding the tag belt. Match went 11 minutes, 8 seconds. The next match, match 5, meant absolutely nothing. It was the aggression, Katsuhiko Nakajima, who was affectionately known as Katchan and Masaki Tamiya versus Akitoshi Saito and Kashi Sugiyora. Events would show that this was a way to keep all three of them active on the night and slot them into the card somewhere, although they just really had no reason to be in the ring together, Saito and Sugiyora even less to team together. And the match itself was pretty meaningless. It went ten minutes and Kitamiya beat Saito with a suplex. I mean, don't get me wrong, it was a good match, the crowd were into it, but ultimately, it was just a card filler. Hayata and Hitoshi Kimano faced off for the number one contendership for the GHC Junior Heavyweight title as Yohei and Tadasuke watched from ringside and Daisuke Harada watched from a table by the ring announcer with the title propped up in front of him. The crowd were heavily behind Hayata, although I have actually read many comments which indicated that Hitoshi Kumano did have supporters among them, but even in the Twitter poll that I ran, as I like to do before championship matches, Hayata was always the favourite to win. Hitoshi Kumano is small, but he's very strong, very stocky, and he is very good at selling. Hayata won in nine minutes with a headache, and Yohei clapped him. Daisuke Harada, however, looked slightly angry at the result. The Crow Indians have a saying, the eyes of men speak the words the tongue cannot pronounce, which was certainly very apt in his case. As it is the Reitel's way, Harada came down to the ring and offered Hayata a handshake. Now, Hayata doesn't shake hands, not with anyone. So he refused this and simply pointed at the belt and left. Harada was somewhat put out by this, as Tadasuke had been gracious enough to have shaken hands with him. Sadly, Hayata is not Tadasuke, and you could see Hirada, um, if you're watching, he's standing to the left. As the lights go down for the next match, he stops and he stares in disbelief back at the opposite exit where Hayata had gone. After the match, Hayata simply said he'd be champion and left. Personally, I doubt that Noah will split the Raytels up as they're a very popular team and by far seem to have the most varied merchandise. So it would be interesting to see where this goes. I have a feeling that if Hayata does win, then Yohei will challenge him. Not that Yohei has said anything, it's just a feeling. Namichimaru Fuji faced up against Kaito Kiyomiya and, in the words of one fan, fought like a demon. It had been Marufuji who had pegged this somewhat skinny and awkward-looking kid as having the potential to be a future heavyweight. But if there is one thing I've noticed about Kiyomiya, that it's the boy can take a lot of punishment, and no one has managed to legitimately knock him out yet. Not Kyano, not Marufuji, who was legitimately knocked out about two people in the past. 
One thing I did notice um, on his entrance this time was that Kiyomiya was a lot less fidgety and nervous and he seemed to be sure of what he was meant to be doing and where he was meant to be going. He didn't bounce around, he didn't stretch, he didn't give you a sense that watching him might give you seasickness because of his constant motion. I also thought he looked as like he'd lost weight and was a lot more toned. Marathuji, I thought, looked exhausted. There was a point at the beginning of this match that reminded me of a match in the early 2000s when Kiyomiya would have been about four and Marufuji, the same age as Kiyomiya is now, 21. It was a tag match between Kenta and Kenta Kabashi versus Marufuji and Mitsuhara Misawa. Kenta tagged Kabashi in and Marufuji stood there for a few seconds, not really knowing what to do, until Misawa motioned to him, said, come here boy, and Marufuji tagged him in. I was reminded by it um, of the apprehensive look on Kiyomiya's face. It was so much like that of Marufuji Sen and the slightly sympathetic look on Marufuji's face, which was just like Misawa's. However, there was no tag in this match to save Kiyomiya and he didn't look at all pleased when during the first rope break, Marufuji broke it by tapping him on the cheek. And I will tell you this, that boy can glare. The young woman in the audience um, seemed to like this. As soon as after this strong kaito, calls could be sporadically heard and a group of them tried to get a chant going. Speaking about the audience, President Kitai from the Kyo Gym could be seen sitting at ringside near the entrance. He runs a private gym in Tokyo as well as an MMA facility. But at the private gym, this is where a lot of wrestlers um, from many different promotions train. He knocked the ring rust off of Sugiyora when he returned from heart issues, and Katsuhiko Nakajima and Kino in particular train there from time to time. He is a very strict trainer, and he reduced Sugiyora to tears during one workout. The match went 15 minutes and 59 seconds. Kiyomiya fell to the Shiranui, and then afterwards he too refused to shake hands by kicking Marafuji's hand away. Marufuji said in an interview prior to the match that Kiyomiya had shown incredible growth in the past few months he had been away, but he would not be the easiest person to put the tiger suplex on, and much to the delight of the crowd, this happened, although Marufuji did land on his feet and got Kiyomiya in the face of a hawk trick for his troubles. Despite his after-match interview of him screaming, fuck, Kiyomiya is certainly climbing the stairs slowly, but it is agreed that the boy has a long way to go and is not ready for a big win just yet. He himself says that he will learn from his losses, and he has learnt from the veterans he has wrestled. Kaito Kiyomiya has had his first win during winter navigation, albeit in a tag match. He won over Hitoshi Kamano with the Tiger Suplex on the 21st of January, and he said it meant a lot to him as Kumano had known him as a trainee. The next match was 50 Funky Powers. They defended their GHC heavyweight tag team titles against Mitsui Nagai and Maybach Taniguchi. A video package was shown beforehand of the events leading up to it. it obviously, it showed Nagai and Taniguchi getting in their faces. Quiet Storm looked angry, like he wanted to rip his t-shirt off. And he only looked like he was going to cry because he couldn't believe people could be so mean. Yoni was in fine form that evening. He came out practically dancing to Boogie Wonderland. Nagai was also in fine form that evening as a heel. He yelled at some girls at ringside, rattled the railing and really got in their faces. 
He told a small child to shut up and made spitting motions from the apron. He says he doesn't care if people boo him. In fact, he wants people to boo him. Nagai fell to the Funky Buster Bomb after 17 minutes and 37 seconds. When they were giving their post-match promo, 50 Funky Powers were challenged by the aggression, which has pretty much taken Masaki Tamiya out of the GHD Heavyweight Championship race. For now, I would say. The main event was Kino versus Yuko Miyamoto, and I always smile when I think of their feud, as it reminds me of when both their teachers, Jinsei Shinsaki, who trained Kino, and Mr. Ganesuke, who trained Yuka Miyamoto, feuded in FMW. The reason why it makes me smile is for some reason I have this memory that Jinsei Shinzaki had this really disdainful look that he seemed to stay for Ganesuke and, and no one else. He, he didn't use it on anyone else, just Ganesuke alone. Kino doesn't have that as he's got this perpetual scowl on his face. But the feud with Miyamoto did mirror this in a way because Kino disdainfully said that Miyamoto's belts were cheap and he had certainly no interest in challenging for them. Unlike Miyamoto, Kino is not a hardcore wrestler but he is in no way at all afraid to take a bump and it's very rare in Noah to see somebody go through a table unless of course Masato Tanaka is around. So there was major excitement in Yokohama on January 19th when Miyamoto put Kino through a table with the Fire Thunder. I think one um, fan summed it up as Kino's head has been, you know, has become part of the, the floor of Yokohama. Kino legitimately passed out, uh, much due to Kashisukiyo's worry, and had to have five stitches put in his elbow. He went out afterwards to sign autographs for the fans, as wrestlers are trained as rookies to get the stuffing beaten out of them, and then get up and carry on. But you can't stop some of him being human, even Kino. And a fan who met him and got his autograph commented that his hands were shaking. Kino, Noah's angriest man, said that what Miyamoto did to him was not allowed, and he would repay it at Korokun Hall. This match illustrated just how versatile both Kino and Yuka Miyamoto are and how proud of them their respective teachers should be. There is more to Yuka Miyamoto than just being a simple deathmatch wrestler and there is far more to Kino than just viewing him as someone who would never take a bump through a table because he thinks he's far too good for that. There was no messing around in this match at all. There was no lock-up. It went straight to a a stiff-as-hell punch-kick war. This was a very tough and a very stiff match. And if you listen carefully, when they are on all fours and they're headbutting each other, the audio, you can hear it if if you listen carefully, the audio picks up the sound of their heads colliding with each other. Kido was put through a table the second time by Miyamoto. He didn't pass out this time or bleed out, but his eyes glazed over for a bit and then he started looking habitually angry again before he dragged himself up and got back in the ring at the 19 count, the loud applaud of the crowd. Now, if anyone ever tells you that Japanese audiences are quiet, get them to listen to this match. The noise was deafening at Korokun Hall at night and the venue was not even at full capacity. Kino got his revenge by putting Miyamoto through a table with the foot stamp and then following this up with another one from the top turnbuckle in the ring. The match went 16 minutes, 15 seconds and after the pin, Kino lay on his back with his arm extended in the air and his fingers curled into a fist. So naturally after the match, Kino got on the microphone and started ranting about his next challenger when Takashi Sugiura, who had been quietly watching from his corner, got in the ring. 
and the crowd went insane. Sugiura informed his upstart young tag team partner that he might be old enough to be his father, approaching 50, but he hadn't even begun to build his era yet. Kino, after some hesitation because he couldn't quite believe that anyone, that either Sugiura or Marafuji, who had been who had been baiting about coming out, would ever have dared to come out and challenge him, he granted Sugiura his wish and he set the match for March 11th at Great Voyage in Yokohama. Kino waited until Sugiura was out of the ring and walking away to call after him that he would never sell out Bordekan, you bastard. Sugiura left, nodding, smiling, making a yeah, yeah motion with his hands. As unlike Keno, Sugiura has been to the Budokan. Keno has only ever been there for university graduation. After Sugiura had left, Keno turned to the crowd and asked each such Nakorokuan in turn, the north, the south, the east, the west, to follow him to the Budokan. A fan who has read both what Keno has to say in his column, Come at me, you bastards, and heard it live, so that when you read it, you get the feeling, but when you hear it, when you are there, that's when you get the goosebumps. In his post-match promo, Kino of course went on a rant and said that after he has defeated Sugiura, he wants Marafuji's head. In Sugiura's promo, um, you could hear Kino in the background talking to the crowd. The show drew 1,015 people, which while it meant Kurukun was full, it didn't go super no vacancy. I think a lot of this was due to the weather, Tokyo's well-known transit problems in the snow and people not willing to brave the conditions on the roads, for, especially for those who live outside the city and would have travelled in. I think Noah were disappointed as well, as Kino blamed it on himself in his post-match promo and vowed that he would try harder to draw people in, even if he had to learn everybody's names and call them out to ask them if they were going to follow him to the Budokan. And now for the news. Nova's next tour has been announced as being called Navigation for Dash, and it is kicked off on February 10th in Kyoto. Naomichi Marafuji will celebrate 20 years in wrestling in August. At the time of writing, no date, venue or cards have been announced. I will be doing a special podcast of his career nearer the time. In addition to this, he will also be appearing in Zero One Dream and All Japan for the Champion Carnival, which will keep him out of a global tag league, I'm afraid. And Noah, of course, have announced the return of Global Tag Lund, uh, Great Voyage in Niigata, and Great Voyage in Yokohama. Fan Meeting 2018 will also return. Fan Meeting is an event which has been on hiatus for recent years, but with their renewed vitality, Noah now feel able to run it again. And besides, there is the next generation which must be provided for. Fan meeting is primarily a chance for children to get in the ring with the wrestlers and, for want of a better word, roughhouse with them. There is footage of Yone getting beat in the head by some kid while the levers pile on him. After this, and to let the wrestlers recover and probably get their revenge, there will be a special class held for the kids which will teach them simple moves, stretching exercises, etc, etc. The adults will also be provided for, as there will be a question and answer session. Names are yet to be announced. Kino will celebrate 10 years in wrestling in March, with a special event being held right in the middle of the Global Tag League 2018. The event will take place in Tokushima, where he is from. One name has been announced at the event so far, um, which is Gaina. And he is actually with Kino for Mishinoku Pro, but it is yet to be announced how he will participate, and against who. 
It was actually a Twitter user called Shinya who brought this um, very good point up. Shinsei Shinsaki is also from Tokushima, and being Kano's trainer, it is not inconceivable to think that Shinsaki may actually appear on the night. Katsuhiko Nakajima will celebrate his 30th birthday in March, and a fan party has been planned in Tokyo. Nakajima has not had the easiest childhood. He came from a very poor single-parent family. He and his older brother lived with their mother, and there was, n- there was no money. Nakajima remembers he came home from the karate dojo one day to find his mother with a candle, and it startled him so much that he thought that she was a ghost and he almost ran off. The gas had been shut off, so there was no hot water for bathing. The electricity was shut off, so they had so they had to live by candlelight. And there was no money for food, and he couldn't even have lunch at school, because the family couldn't afford to scribe for school meals. Children can be very cruel, and they never let him forget it. And very sadly, he was bullied, which often became physical, and which was why he started doing karate. He showed such attitude for it that he stopped getting into fights. Nakajima has come a long way from his miserable and half-starved childhood. He says that he wants children to know that they can rise above the bullying, and so I hope his 30th birthday is a very, very special one for him. Ryan will be back and singing Sakuretsu in Fuoka. It wouldn't surprise me if she also performed at Kurokun Hall for the Torfanale and again in Yokohama, and most likely a great voyage in Niigata also. So, in conclusion, March and April are going to be very busy for for Noah and for Noah fans. Thank you for listening to the third instalment of Noah's Archive. I do have a couple more podcasts planned. The usual end of tour podcast, when Navigation for Dash wraps up, one of Noah's first show, which has been voted for by my Twitter followers, and another in the future, which will be the first chapter of The Last Bump, which is a book by Mayumi Misawa about her husband. Thank you all for listening, and I will see you all next time. And you can find me on Twitter. My name is HI5AME. Thank you. Bye-bye. Love song, what